Good morning, Orangewood. Good to see you. Good to see you, all you kids. Have a great time wherever it is you go. And, um, and thank you for that uh, announcement and report. Vicki, that was fantastic. Great, great time of worship. You know, as I was thinking about worship this week, worship really is, uh, is exuberance as well as humility before infinite majesty. That's what it is, isn't it? There's times as we worship together, uh, we, we, we don't know what to do after the worship team finishes. We just start clapping, right? And we're exuberant. And other times we bow down and just kneel because of the reality of God's infinite majesty. And uh, he is the one we need. Boy, worship really does fuel our souls, doesn't it? So thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship this morning. Well, today, we continue our series, R&R. And for many people, I mean, it is summer. I was, I was asking uh, Rick back there, where are some of our other people that sit over here? They haven't been here for a couple of weeks. And I said, where are they? And he said, they're on vacation. They're traveling. This is a time for rest and relaxation. I know uh, uh, we were at the beach yesterday, and uh, it's our 40th wedding anniversary today, as a matter of fact. So my wife and I were at, uh, oh, thank you. Thank you. So we were, we were at the beach celebrating yesterday with uh, our son, daughter-in-law, their three kids, my daughter and her boyfriend, and there were nine of us, and there were some people at the beach who were resting and relaxing. I saw them. They were sitting there. What not us? Uh, not with three kids. I mean, our DNA says action written all over it, and my grandkids just move constantly, and it's a modern miracle that I'm here today. I want you to know. It's great. But, um, but we didn't do any rest and relaxation, made it maybe later today. But our series is, is not R&R, rest and relaxation. Our series is, what's the first one? Remain, remain. We're in a series called Remain. And today we're going to talk about remain and reduce. Now, don't worry. This is not on weight control or loss of weight or anything like that. But we're going to be talking about remain and reduce as we continue to understand what it means to be followers of Jesus. And, uh, and listen, real quick, before we look into God's word and let God speak to us, let's speak to God. Let's pray. Our great God, what a joy to be able to come into your presence, to look into your holy word and to know that your word speaks truth to us. We need it. We need you. As we have sung this morning, we need you every hour. We need you every minute. And as we come into your presence today, we need your truth. We need simplicity. We, we need the freedom that only you can give us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would meet us at this time. Lord, you, you know our needs. You know in this room, seated next to us are people with deep needs. We have deep needs. But only you know what we need today. And so we ask, Lord, not only that you'd be with our team in Honduras right now, but that you would be here in a powerful way speaking to us to lead us to that next step. Help us learn to remain in you and what that means in our life. So, Father, we come to you. We praise you. We pray for the one who teaches that you'd forgive him his sins and use one who is finite to communicate your infinite truth. Well, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, last week, a friend of mine uh, uh, and his wife 
Karen and I said, let's go, let's see if they want to go to dinner. So we called them up, said, hey, last minute, you want to go to dinner? And so they said, sure. So we got to, we got to the place where we were going to eat and we, uh, uh, he started telling me about what he, sort of the, the stage of life that he's in. He says, I, I want to lose weight. I want to reduce. And so I, uh, uh, we're kind of going on a low carb diet. Now you need to understand when people say that, I, I start going into the shakes because there isn't a carb made that I don't like. Uh, and if it says carb on it, I want it. And, and so he didn't look like he needed to, to reduce, but he wanted to reduce. So he said that he was reducing his carb intake. And during the week, he got so exhausted at one point, he had to take a nap. So what happens when you, when you reduce your carbs, you know? So, so we're, anyway, so we're talking about how he's juicing everything now and all of his meals and stuff. Sounded awful to me, quite frankly. Some of you guys do that. And, uh, this is terrible. So anyway, he, so then what does he pursue? We're in an Italian restaurant. What does he order? Pasta. He orders a whole pasta dish. And then for dessert, he orders cannoli. They bring two huge cannolis. He got away from the table for a while. I ate one of them because he wants to reduce. I wanted to help him. I, I was trying to help him reduce, you know. And I looked at him. I don't really believe that he needs to reduce. He doesn't look like it. But, um, but, and he's not here today. If he were, I'd point him out to you. My friend, my friend Rob, if you see him, you know, there he is. It's, but the reality is, is when we look at the text today, because a lot of us want to reduce in different areas. The text that we're going to look at today is a text that is absolutely powerful, talking about not only remaining in Christ, abiding in Christ, but learning to reduce in an area where we definitely want to reduce, need to reduce, and we all desire to reduce. It's found in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. This is a powerful text, one that has helped me so, so much over the years, and it's going to teach us how to remain in Christ and then how to reduce uh, in Christ and what we need to reduce. Verses one through four, remaining, and the rest, reducing. Let's look at it. This is God's holy word. The apostle Paul says, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. That's the remaining, now the reducing. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to Immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. And have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there's no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man. But Christ is all and in all. This is God's holy word to us. Thanks be to God. 
Well, I love this text. It's been such a helpful text for me in my life following Jesus over the years. And, and it teaches, first of all, how to remain in Christ, how to stay close to Christ. And that's really been one of the major themes, the theme of this series. Because over the summer, it's easy to wander. It's easy to drift. It, in life, it's easy to drift, isn't it? And so, so Paul, first of all, talks about remaining in Christ. And, and this text flows perfectly with one of Jesus' most powerful teaching episodes in the life of his disciples in John chapter 15, right after the Last Supper or the institution of the Lord's Supper, Jesus and his disciples are walking on the way toward Gethsemane. And as they move toward Gethsemane, Jesus and the disciples go by a vineyard, and there are vineyards everywhere in Israel. And so he stops and takes that as a teaching moment to his disciples. In John 15, many of you know that text. Let me read some of that to you because it's so powerful. Jesus stops and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the what? Vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. And then he says, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. He says to his disciples, don't think that you're one of those that are not mine. You're mine. You're mine. And then he says this, to those who are his, I love this, abide in me and I in you. As a a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Uh, He who abides in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I love this text. I love it because the word abide, the Greek word meno, means remain. That's what we're talking about. How do we remain? How do we stay close? And, And can we talk? After we came to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, we have met the most transformative, powerful, loving, warm person. Do we want to be close to him? Absolutely. Absolutely we do. But life conspires. We want to remain close. We want to abide in him. But life happens. I mean, You know, my wife is at a VBS meeting right now for Willow Creek Church, our home church. She's going to be in that vacation Bible school, and then she's going to be working at your vacation Bible school here at Orangewood. So she's double duty with kids. So she's not here today. I I want you to know, I have I've kidded in the past, and I've said we've been married forty years. They've been the best forty years of her life. I've kidded that way, right? But the reality is, is is if it weren't for Jesus in our relationship, there is no way 40 years would have happened together. I've tried to stay close to her, but life happens. I try to stay close to my kids and my grandkids and my friends, and I try, but life happens. And I'm drawn away by good things, and I'm drawn away from bad things. Is that your experience? John Calvin amazingly said this. He said, our hearts are idle factories. 
And uh, people tell me about our American economy that manufacturing, some manufacturing is coming back to the United States. And I'm glad to hear that. But I've been in manufacturing all my adult life. And I have been manufacturing idols all my adult life. I, the Lord works on one area and then something else comes up that draws me away. I'm good at it. I practice at it. Sin is my nature. So I went into the ministry. So I would have to be good in front of people and have to be good. After I was talking with Rick and Margaret before the service, they said, do you have a black F-150? I said, yeah. I said, why? When everybody says, do you, do you have a black F-150? I, I get worried. I said, were you going up 1790? Do you have a Forge sticker on the back? I said, yeah. I said, why? Was I tailgating? She said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 30 years ago, when I started Willow Creek Church, one day I was going up Tuscawilla Road. And on Sunday, one of the ladies said, were you going up Tuscawilla Road just the other day? I've been working on this issue of speed for 30 years. It's because I have a new transmission. That's why I was going so fast. <laughs> but the reality is, I, I'm a, I'm, I manufacture sin. We manufacture sin. We are idol factories, and it takes it away. I want to remain close to Christ. You want to remain close to Christ. But life happens, sin happens, we happen, and it draws us away. And so Paul, in perfect line in teaching with what Jesus has to say in John 15, teaches us how to remain. And what is he saying? Well, he says, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, literally in the Greek, it could be since you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He starts out by telling us that if we want to remain in Christ, we want to remain close to Christ. If we want to abide with Christ, we have to keep focusing on our identity in Christ and understand that, that, that our status is way higher than we ever thought. And we have to focus on our new status in Christ. Every one of you are impossibly high status symbols. And you don't even know it most of the time. You don't realize that in Christ and because of what you are in Christ, because you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are completely identified with Christ. We are. And so that whatever happened to Jesus Christ happened to us through faith. And that's what Paul is saying. If you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What is our status? You are the deeply beloved and redeemed daughters and sons of the Most High God. That's your status. Why? Because you've been good? Because you drive according to the laws of the land? No. Because you're identified with Jesus. That's why. And because everything he did through faith is applied to you. Another important text, Romans 6 that I just have to go back to real quick because literally this is so powerful. What shall we say then? Are we continuing sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been, here it is, we've been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in what? newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, 
certainly we shall be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. See, this is the spiritual transaction that takes place through faith. That's why it has to be a God thing first. It could never be a me thing first or a you thing first. It has to be a God thing first. And when we have faith in Christ, we are so transformed that we are united with Christ. And so we, we're dead to the old life and we have a new life. Therefore, we can, as Paul says, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. And so how do we remain? How do we abide sticking to our new identity in Christ every day and pursuing him every day based on who we are. You are not your failures. You are not even your good deeds. We sang it last week. I loved it. Um, you are what the father says you are, right? You are how God defines you in Christ. That and when we keep focusing on that, that keeps me close. That keeps me abiding. Why would I want to seek anything less than that? And that's what Paul is going through Paul's mind. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So that's how we abide. Keep seeking Christ. Why would we want anything less? I, I just can't understand that. But I do. I'm pulled away. But this brings me back to abiding. A friend of mine who is a, a pastor says that every church needs, needs to understand three things. We need communion, we need community, and we also need the commission, the great commission. What he means by that is what I say to men. I say, guys, uh, you need a dog. You need a daily appointment with God. Why? So that in the morning you get up and you remember who you are in Christ. It's not so that you go out to try and find your identity, but you remember who you are. You need communion with Christ at the beginning of the day. And then you need community. I say to guys, I say, you got to have two to four guys that are fighting for you, man, because life is conspiring against you. You need a fire team. Why? So these guys can remind you who you are in Christ when you mess up. And when I mess up, my friends... They remind me that I am God's deeply beloved son. But I need to do the commission too. I need to get out there and, and allow Jesus to work through me, right? You too? We need, the, we need to be making disciples, making societal impact. Not Now catch this, because this is really important. Not to gain our identity, but because of our identity in Christ. Sometimes I fear this about Christians because... We are very active-oriented as Christians, and we should be, right? Giving, God bless you guys for giving that much. It's so exciting. Uh, you, we're going to have enough people for VBS. It's going to happen. Um, it's it's good. great. Do it. Get out there. Do it. But we don't do social action. We don't do the Great Commission to feel good about ourselves. Do you hear me? We do it because of who we are in Christ. And I fear that sometimes because of our action orientation as Christians, that we're serving the world, we're doing all these things because I feel good about myself when I do it. Let me, let me tell you this about v VBS. You will not feel good at the end of the day. We all in agreement of that? You'll be tired. And you know what? It's a good thing. Because you're not doing it to feel good. 
You're doing it because you're a deeply beloved daughter and son of the Most High God. You're living the Great Commission out of your identity, right? Yeah. And so, and so Paul says, this is how we remain in Christ. We've come, actually, in the morning here at worship, we come into a holy huddle. I need the huddle. I need a holy huddle, but I can't stay here. But I need to, every Sunday is a renewal of our identity in Christ, at least as we worship him and remember, uh, and, and then we go out into a world that's broken. We are aliens and strangers in this incredibly difficult world. Uh, we're a minority. By 7.5 billion people in the world, you're a minority. A Bible-believing follower of Jesus Christ, you are a minority. Trust me in that. And so we got to come together, but we got to go out. We have to have our identity and we have to remain. And when we mess up, what do we do? We repent and we come running back, don't we? We come running back to the Lord, not, not to gain salvation, but because we are his and he forgives us in Christ. This past week, somebody told me about the story of this young um, married couple. And um, the, the woman was distraught. She called her, her widowed mother up and she said, we had a fight again. He fought with me again, again. I'm moving home. Mother said, nope, nope. Uh, this, he has to pay. I'm moving in with you. <laughs> uh, a lot of times... 40th anniversary. You think about marriage stories like that. You know, a lot of times we think we have to pay when we sin and we mess up. That we try to undo our own sins. That's not how we abide. We run back to the one who paid for them for us. And he reminds us that we're forgiven and we're his children. So that's how we remain. We develop a mindset. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you've died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life is revealed, catch this. When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. I saw a bumper sticker this week. It said this, when I die, the dog gets everything. And I thought, when I die, I get everything, right? Yeah, I mean, we got a lot now, but when I die, I get everything. I, verse, I was thinking about this sermon. We'll be united with him in glory. So we remain with him now, looking at the glory that's going to come. Isn't that a great thing? All right, now, now the reduced part, okay? So Paul says, this is how we remain in him. This is a lot shorter if you're looking at your watch. Don't panic. Here it is. How do we reduce? What do we reduce? Well, you see, the, the reality is, is that when we abide in Christ, when we are so close to grace on a day in and day out basis, when we're close to him, we don't want to continue with the sin. And so we put off, we reduce. And that's why Paul says, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as what? Let's say it together. Consider the members of your earthly body as dead. Put up Put up the, 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 the list that Paul gives us here. Because what the Apostle Paul does 
is he does what every writer in the first century did. They had lists of virtues and they had lists of sins or bad things that people shouldn't do. Even the Greeks did that. And, and so Paul makes a list here. I may have counted wrong, forgive me, uh, but there are 11 things that Paul says to put off, to reduce, uh, and to get out of your life uh, because you're abiding in Christ. Immorality, that has to do with every sexual thing. Immorality and impurity and passion, those first three have everything to do with any kind of sexual, uh, sexual sin you could ever imagine. So just put them in there. Evil desire, greed, which is idolatry, Paul says. You seen the movie Greed with, what was his name? I can't remember. They make the statement, greed is what? Greed is good. Greed is good. Uh, anger, wrath. I think anger and wrath also kind of wrap up the ideas of, um, of, of unforgiveness. Malice. Malice is a word we don't use that much. It's, kind of, it's active ill will. It's not just I'm mad at you. It's I'm going to get back at you. It's active ill will. Slander. That happens all the time. Abusive speech and Line. And so what Paul is saying is that as we remain with Christ, in Christ, in the environment of grace, grace is that energizing principle that says, I don't want to be this way anymore. And so he says, consider yourself dead to these things. And so if you're sitting with somebody next to you that knows you very well, turn to them and tell them the major sin you want them to eradicate out of their life, right? I'll give you three. No, I'm not going to do that. Could you imagine that mayhem, mayhem? But when I read a list like this, I think, Lord, what are you saying to me? And, and, and why do I do what I do in the way I do it? Why do I get angry? Why, why do I want to say things that I shouldn't say right now? Why? And that might be a great exercise for, no, it would be a great exercise for us, wouldn't it? Take this home with you. Look at that. These are areas that he wants to reduce sin in our lives. Because sin is complicating, isn't it? You want to complicate your life? Sin. <laughs> Uh, you, you want your life to be free, sin less. It's just a fact of the matter. Jesus has saved us to, to, to set us free and, and to give us the simplicity that we want in Christ. And as we abide in Christ, we don't have to live this way any longer. And I love that. Uh, grace is energizing always to put away. And these, this logic is powerful. He says, do all this because you've been raised up with Christ. You're connected to him. You've died. Your life is hidden with Christ. Christ is our life. On account of these things, the wrath of God will come. You used to walk in these things. You laid aside the old self. Now keep doing it. So Paul is saying, here's an area to reduce. Now, having said that, I want to challenge you to read the rest of Colossians chapter three, because after telling us to reduce, what does he tell us to do? Put on, put on. That the gospel sets us so free that we not only can kill these sins working in, 
we can work with Christ to kill sin in our life. One of the most profound lessons I've learned is I don't have to put up with myself the way I was for the rest of my life or the way I am in Christ. I could grow. Isn't that exciting? And I still obviously have to grow in the area of driving. Margaret and Rick, forgive me. But, but the reality is we can grow. We can put it off. And here's the balance between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility that while God brings the growth, while grace is the energizing principle, I still can be very much involved in disciplining myself for the purpose of godliness. And I got to own my own life, my own story, my own baggage, my own issues. And I can't blame anybody else. But Jesus is willing to develop me. Let me pull this together by uh, telling you this past week, I, I went, I was jogging. Actually, I was walking. And I learned a couple of lessons. The first lesson I learned is you see things when you walk that you don't see when you jog. I went, I, same neighborhood, same route. I was walking through and my neighbors have actually some pretty good landscaping and some really nice pavers, things I didn't even notice before. Um, another lesson I learned as I was walking, as I, I saw this, um, I saw this eagle up in a tree real high up and I, I stopped. I looked at the guy, I love eagles. I looking up at that eagle and, and, and a big crow, it was a big crow, smaller than the eagle comes powering over and lands on a branch right underneath the eagle. And he starts doing what crows do. What do crows do? They crow, they caw, they make the most obnoxious noises you could ever imagine. And, and it was interesting, this crow kept inching a little bit closer to the eagle. Every, with every crow, crow, caw, obnoxious noise, getting closer. I was hoping that eagle would just reach over and kind of just go, grab it by the neck, ring it, drop it, you know, because it's just terrible. What did the eagle actually do? Nothing. He sat there, didn't even look over at the crow. Just kind of, just kind of like that. And then the crow finally, blessedly flew away. I wrote down what I learned. The bigger and stronger you are like eagles, the less noise you make and the less annoying you are because the less annoyed you get. The smaller you are, like crows, and forgive me for this, little dogs, <laughs> but it's true, you know it is. The smaller you are, like crows and little dogs, the bigger noise you make, the more annoying you are, because the more annoyed you get. Right? And I, I thought, Jesus, you might be talking to me in this. He might be talking to all of us in this. Because Jesus has called me to remain he saved me. He saved you to remain with him, right? To abide with him. And as you and I abide with him, what is he trying to do? He's trying to make us, pull us out of being smaller people into what? Bigger people and character. 
and renewing the character of Christ. He's trying to make me a bigger person, not a smaller person. That means a better person for his glory, for the world. That is remaining and reducing. That is gospel freedom and simplicity. So what do you want to put off this week? You might not know yet, but take this list, read it over, and say, Holy Spirit, would you help me to see where you want me to reduce? And he'll show you. And he'll forgive you, and he'll make your life better. He will use you like you can't imagine. Because of grace, you can face yourself and not have to defend yourself. And you can let Jesus do the work. Take it to heart. And pray for me, particularly today as I drive out of here. (laughs) Let's pray. Our great God, what a joy it is to be your children. Father, thank you that we can come to you and have that kind of communion with you. Thank you that we can, that we can know that we have community with one another in the body of Christ. Thank you that we can go out on mission knowing who we are in you. And Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would fill that in us. Give us that gospel freedom and simplicity as we go out and live it in this world. And we'll give you honor and praise as we pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.